You're listening to the Full of Hope podcast. I'm RJ Hurd, and today Ryan and I talk to 19-year-old leukemia survivor Matt Driscoll, where he'll share how he went from a healthy, athletic high school student to a leukemia fighter to an inspiration for thousands. We're going to rely on you to grow our podcast, so please share it with anyone and everyone, because with so many options for things you can watch, read, and listen to, shouldn't one of them keep you full of hope? And now, your host, Ryan Kiggins. Hey, it's Ryan. So it turns out it's even harder to naturally introduce somebody else onto the podcast than it is when it's just RJ and me talking. So here we are in post-production again. Either way, I'm super excited to have our first guest onto the show. So let's get to Matt's story. RJ and I both follow an Instagram account called Tanks Good News that we saw video, a viral video of you. And uh, I'll just tease the video, but let's just put it this way for now. You look like a guy that I wanted to talk to. <laughs> so so I reached out and you were kind enough to, to get back with me. And so now really, I just want to spend a little bit of time just capturing your story, hearing your journey. And so that's, that's why, that's how I got in touch with you. Just in case you're like wondering who's this dude who creeped on me. Oh yeah, I really do. I know. I really do appreciate you reaching out. What I'd love to do is I'd love to start your story with before you noticed any symptoms of anything. So whenever you're living like just your, what, what's normal life for you, I'd love for you to just describe like, how old are you? Mm-hmm. What's your, who's at home with you? You got a girlfriend? Like what? Yeah, you, yeah. Well, what's all that stuff about your just regular life yeah. uh, before you got sick? Yeah, of course. So um, my name is Matt Driscoll. Uh, I'm currently 19 years old. Uh, I live in Akron, Ohio, about 45 minutes south of Cleveland. Um, and growing up, uh, I played sports mainly my entire life, uh, specifically more football, baseball, and basketball. Um, okay. And then when I came into high school, um, I decided to stick to football and basketball. And so my sophomore year of high school, um, football season was right around the corner. And towards September of 2016, um, I noticed some abnormalities within my body. Um, Hmm. A couple weeks, um, I was having a little bit of breathing problems. Um, Went to my pediatrician a couple different times, thought it was just acid reflexation, something was going on. Hmm. Um, And my symptoms became worse. Uh, My throat was starting to get swollen more. Um, and then I started to get these bumps on my head. And at the time I really didn't know what it was. I was just hoping it would eventually go away. And so I was having for these, sim- I was having these symptoms for a couple of weeks. And it was um, in, it was in September, you said, so you're doing like football practice and stuff exactly. like that at really, that time. Yeah. Right in the middle of the football season, I was still out on the field practicing out in games, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day. It was a Thursday practice and on Thursdays we normally do conditioning. Um, and so during that conditioning, I almost passed out like five times and I'm like, all right, this is, this is pretty scary. You know, um, I got to do something about this. And it's not like it was just harder conditioning than normal. It was just like kind of the regular thing. You just had, you felt different. Exactly. Our normal conditioning. Hmm. And so I was like, mom, we got to do something about this. So we went to the ER um, and the ER doctor examined and noticed my throat was very swollen and, you know, my windpipe was closing. 
And so the ER doctor said, you either have a really bad infection or something else. I highly recommend you get to Akron Children's Hospital um, as soon as possible. And at that time, they gave me steroids just to, you know, the my throat wouldn't be as swollen. At the ER? Correct. Yep, at the did, ER. Did they take any blood there? Um, to be honest, I don't think they did. I think they wanted to leave the blood work for Akron Children's Hospital. Um, right up. So we rushed into Akron Children's Hospital. Um, and that night, you know, I was just staying up all night, like, what could it be? What could it be? Like, what's going on? Like, this isn't normal. I've never experienced this in my life. And, you know, Friday morning came and the doctor came in the room and said, you have acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And I, I was, my, I was shocked. I was completely shocked. I didn't know how to process it at the time. Um, you know, who was with you when they told you, do you remember? Uh, I think my my mom and dad were with me at the time. Um, do you have any I, Matt? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, so I have um, an older brother. He's twenty seven. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so he's actually in the medical field. Um, he's about to start his orthopedic surgery residency here soon. Um, so, yeah, so he was actually a really um, big help uh, during my process um, with dealing with uh, leukemia. And so when I was uh, diagnosed that day you know my world completely flipped you know um yeah being a being an athlete all my life playing football and basketball being in top shape you know complete 180 complete difference so, so how much how much did they get into when they first told you like you've got you've got all like did they did they talk to you at all did you discuss any kind of treatment or did was there a time where you just kind of went home to process and or like how, do you remember how that worked the time yeah there? so um that day i was diagnosed they did um they did like a lumbar puncture and whatnot uh they took okay. spinal fluid um out of they took spinal fluid um, and I remember that I, I remember that very vividly because it was extremely painful. Normally they sedate you for that, but because my throat was so swollen, um, they couldn't sedate me. The anesthesiologist, it wasn't was time big of a risk. So they did it while I was awake and it was pretty oh. bad, So for those of you who, um, who heard the term lumbar puncture, um, and didn't know what it was, you probably heard of a spinal tap. So, uh, I think, I feel like lumbar puncture, a needle this big. Yeah. There's a new, a new term that's used for it to like soften the blow, but it's a, for those of you who've been like, Oh, who wants to be subject to a spinal tap? That's what that is. Mm -hmm. So they give it a euphemism to make it seem, I think like, yeah, of course. it's like, it's like when you get chemotherapy, I don't know if they did it for you, but they always called it therapy. Yeah. The chemotherapy part out of, out of it. So it's just funny term thing. Okay. So, you're, you're getting a, you know, painful spinal tap. Yep. And so luckily, uh, none of the leukemia cells were in my spinal fluid. Um, you know, I would have had to have that stem cell transplant if it was. So luckily it wasn't. So clean. Oh, that's, was that, that had to be a huge relief. Yeah, that, it was, it was, it was very huge. Um, and that day it was, I, I still was trying to understand like what's going on. Cause like, you know, I've had relatives have cancer, but it's just not the same one as yourself. You don't really, you don't really understand. You well, know, you're, you're what, 16? 
at the time? I was, yeah, I was, I was 15 and a half. 15 and a half. So diagnosed. Oh my. So just imagine, RJ, just imagine. Like, well, what was he doing at 15 years old? Hey, Not- that's when we were moving to Washington. Yeah, sophomore. I mean, I didn't even, just driver's ed. Right. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I'm, my entire world is just like, you know, playing baseball, hanging with my friends. Like, I, I can't imagine what life would feel like at 15 and a half years old when you have to face something like that. I would be really confused because, like, even now, so I, I've never gone through anything myself, like cancer or anything like that. So uh, I know stories through Ryan. And so I, I know nothing, like very little about it. I couldn't imagine being 15 and a half. I would know nothing about it. I wouldn't know the ramifications. Yeah. Well, so that's, yeah. Did you do, so Matt, did you start doing, did you do any research yourself or did, did you leave that up to mom and dad or like what, what kind of um, like coping did you do early on? So early on, you know, obviously like once I, that day I was diagnosed, you know, I didn't really know what was in store for me as far as the long-term effect. Um, but I know the first thing that I wanted to do was to show my friends and everybody that's been there for me through my entire life that like, I'm not going to let this drag me down. Um, so that day, you know, um, it, it was, it was very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that day that I was diagnosed, we had a game, a football game. And I, I always have my like best football friends, um, tell me that, you know, that was the saddest, that was probably one of the saddest days of their life, just crying in the locker room, tears running down everybody's faces in the hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to show them like, this isn't going to stop me. I'm still going to be me, you know, whether I'm going to be as best, I'm going to be as positive as I can. And that day I wanted to show that. So I tweeted my favorite um, Bible verse, which is Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. And so that really kind of stuck with me my entire journey through this. Yeah. You know, and you, like, you got there right away. Like, that was your, like, that's incredible that that's kind of the beginning of your mindset. Like, I, I man, when I got, when I was diagnosed, I was, I was angry. I was confused. I was, like, in denial. And, and for you to kind of look outward, right, at others and your, it seems like you wanted to take an opportunity to show your strength and show the Lord's strength and, and, uh, your faith. Like that's, that's amazing. Were you, um, were you brought up like very religious? Like, did you, did you regularly, you know, attend church? Like how, how important was faith in your life even before this? Yeah. So, um, I've always had a faith life. Um, growing up, I always attended mass every week. Uh, I grew up in middle school going to, um, a Catholic school. And then I went to a Catholic high school as well, a Jesuit high school. Um, so, you know, my faith has always been there for me. Um, but like during this entire process, my faith has never been more, has never been stronger. Um, and that's one thing I'm very, you know, obviously it was a crappy position I was put in, but that's one thing I'm very thankful for coming out of this is how, um, drastically my 
faith has improved. You know, I could have reacted the exact opposite and be like, why God, why did you put me in this situation? But you know, the Lord isn't going to give you anything you can't handle. That's the way I viewed it. Um, and so, you know, maybe it was, what, it was to help others, you know, whatever the case may be, but I wanted to trust in the Lord. And that's exactly um, what Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six says. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to show them hope. I wanted to show everybody that, hey, I'm going to get through this. And, um, you know, at the time, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be three <laughs> therapy because, you know, most, um, you know, individuals that are diagnosed with cancer, you know, they're um, treatment is X amount of months, but mine ended up being three and a half years. And I didn't really understand that at the time, but you know, and they didn't tell you, so you didn't have really any kind of indication early on for how long you should be expecting to, to battle this. Correct. Um, my, um, my mom and brother were, were the main individuals, you know, taking in the medical information, obviously over three and a half years, my medical, you know, terminology and information has improved. My knowledge is stronger, but you know, that them at the time were the main, um, individuals, you know, processing and everything. Yeah. Uh, Especially my brother, my brother was a big, big help. Um, since he was in since he was in medical right that had to be huge was he was he local like was he near home yes so um he was so he went to medical school at lee com which is lake erie cosmetic osteopathic medicine it's located in erie pennsylvania and so um for rotations and whatnot um he applied for like I don't know. It's like, pro, I don't know, close, whatever, something um, due to certain circumstances. And he applied for that because of me. So it worked out for the best of us. Oh, wow. So, Very cool. Of course. Yeah. So um, my mom, my brother were huge. And that's like one, that's another thing I'm very thankful for. Like I was always close with my brother, but you know, through hardship, you know, you're, your bond becomes even closer. And like, that's another thing I'm so thankful for is me and my brother are so tight now. Our goal at the Full of Hope podcast is to hear from and share with as many people as possible. This is where we need your help. Please tell your friends and family about us so that we can grow. If you want to share your story, go to fullofhopepodcast.com and fill out the form on the Get On Our Podcast page or search for Full of Hope Podcast on all social media platforms and reach us there. We ourselves are full of hope that we can help thousands of people, but we can't do it without your help. So thank you for helping us grow. For anybody that's, you know, dealing with this early on, right? They hear this bad news. It it seems to me, and, and I had a really similar experience, but it seems like you would recommend, you know, find something greater than yourself, right? Like that that's putting putting trust in something other than yourself is is a great way to cope right like it takes pressure off i found it it took pressure off of me right like god's in control so um and whatever happens is right (laughs) you know that's the thing that was supposed to happen so it seems like you had a very similar similar mindset that's amazing exactly my mindset um you know through the entire thing was now this is just going to be a chapter in my life. It's not going to be the entire story. Um, so I wanted to live by that no matter the outcome, whether I was going to come out at the end of the tunnel with light or come out of the tunnel and 
there be darkness. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, put myself in the best mindset possible, have as much positivity as I can. Um, prayers and positivity were the two P's that I lived by. And, and you know, that, that served me well during my um, chemotherapy process. Yeah. Um, so you're diagnosed, you're in Ohio when, when you're diagnosed. And so I'm guessing you decided to be treated there. You found somewhere in Ohio to be treated. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I live about 20 minutes away from Akron Children's Hospital. Um, My, this past year, um, I decided to go to college in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Duquesne University. Um, While I finished up that transition between, you know, starting my freshman year of college in August from August of 2019 to January 2020, that time frame that I was still receiving chemotherapy, I traveled back to um, mm. the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what what uh, what brought you to to Pittsburgh? Or yeah, so it was either when I was like deciding whatnot. Um, it was either University of Dayton or uh, Duquesne University. Um, I had a lot of friends that were going to Dayton. Don't get me wrong. Like I love them all, but I kind of wanted to meet new people and my family's originally from Pittsburgh. So I would kind of okay. biased towards the city yeah. of Pittsburgh. It's very beautiful. Huh. Uh, so had you lived there at any point in your life? Um, I did not, but my family um, is like originally from there. Both oh, my no. parents went to uh, the university of Pittsburgh, my mom playing basketball at Pitt. Um, oh, and wow. yeah. Um, so, um, so I never heard though, you never said what, uh, what position you played in football, by the way, speaking yeah, of course. So, um, <laughs> I know so you got some of that in you, but yeah, pre-diagnosis, um, I played free safety mm. a lot. Um, and then after diagnosis, I kind of switched to slot receiver role. So like, kind of like your Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type. Wait a minute. So you're, you kept playing football, like as you're going through treatment? Yes, correct. So actually, um, when I, so the whole chemo, the whole acute lymphoblastic leukemia has a three and a half year process. The first 10 months, um, they really blast you with chemotherapy. Um, and then the last two and a half years of chemotherapy, it's treatment once a month, IV chemo once a month with steroids. Okay. Um, and so, you know, me always, I, I wanted to leave that in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. I want, I didn't want, like I said earlier, I didn't want this to dictate, this is only a chapter in my book. You know, it's not going to be the entire story. So I told my oncologist, I was like, Hey, What's your thoughts on if I returned to football? He told me no. And, you know, I was like, I was crushed, obviously, you know, um, you know, I, I grew up loving football. I grew up playing it my entire life. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't want my diagnosis to hold me back from anything. And that's like a very important thing is even though you're dealing with whatever you you're dealing with, whether it's hardship or whatever, you don't want to let that drag you down. Um, so I kept moving forward. I kept pushing forward. You know, I wasn't going to let that no dictate wherever I land. So I was, so I, what I did was I put myself in the best position possible. So, you know, I did physical therapy. Um, and then I, when I was done with physical therapy, 
I worked hard in the gym. I lifted, I lifted, I lifted, kept lifting. Um, didn't play my junior year. You know, I was trying to get stronger and whatnot, get my, my coordination back. Yeah. Uh, so that senior year rolled around and I revisited my oncologist. He saw obviously a lot more muscle on me, saw that I could t- absorb some hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he said, if you can find a way to protect your metaport, my metaport is where I received my chemotherapy, then um, you'll be able to play. And so I was like, all right, perfect. I, this is awesome. You know, like I, all I have to do is figure out a way on how to protect my, my metaphor. And so normally with shoulder pads, you know, your metaphor is above your chest. It's above your, your chest. And so shorter pads would typically protect that. But in my case at the time I had to put my, I had to get my metaphor put in below my chest. So it was a little bit harder to kind of um, figure out a way to protect my metaphor. Mm. And so my trainer at my high school contacted um, an individual at Riddell, Riddell being um, a company that produces all the shoulder pads, helmets, and whatnot. Yeah. So they made custom shoulder pads that extended the chest plate um, farther down to protect my metaport. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so so before, hold on, before going, before going back to your oncologist, like all but you're big now. You're big oh, and strong. So when he, t- the first, first time he told you, no, did you say, okay, that's cool. But like, like, how did you leave it? Did you, did he think like that was the end of the discussion or did you like, did you say, I'm going to do everything I can? Like how, like how surprised I guess was he when, when you came in, you know, a year later and you've been, been lifting, you've gotten stronger and you seemed equipped to be able to play. Like what was, what was his reaction? Honestly, like at that time, you know, I could, I completely understand his, you know, like him saying no, obviously. Cause you know, I was, didn't have any muscle, you know, just, I lost a lot of weight compared to what I was. Yeah. Um, but I, at the time, you know, that when he said that I, um, I completely cried. I was bawling my eyes out. Like I was like, I was like, my dream, my dream is being, you know, put on pause for now at least. Yeah. Um, and I'll, and like, once I left that room, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put myself in the best position possible. And if, he still says no, or if things don't work out, I can live with that. But I can't live with not putting myself in the best position possible because I will have that regret for the rest of my life. Wow. Matt, how, so how much would you attribute? I know you attribute a lot of, a lot of your recovery to your faith, but how, how much would you attribute to that fighting spirit that I think comes with being an athlete or playing a sport or doing something, something that, you know, you're, you're responsible to a team and you have, have to develop a work ethic. Like what, how, how do you think that your background in sports played into your, your recovery? It honestly played a huge role. Um, you know, obviously football is a very physical sport Mm -hmm. and, you know, you go through a lot of bumps and scrapes and bone breaks and, you know, that's just, that just kind of strengthened me up to put myself in the best position um, to take everything in and process it and have that fighting spirit. Like you talked about, 
Um, it played a, it played a really big role. And what even played a bigger role was, was how supportive everybody around me was. Um, my friends, my family, the nurses, my oncologist, like I, I love my oncologist to death. Like he is so cool. Like we have, we've, we have had so many conversations, like non-medical related and like, just like the little things, the extra support is so, so big. And, you know, that's why I love helping others because, you know, um, we can always fall in that dark spot. You can always fall in that dark place, but to rise above that, um, whether it's, you know, the smallest little things possible that I can do or anybody else can do means the world to me. So, wow. That's amazing. And so I, I think what we're part of what we're describing is it could be characterized as grit, right? Like it's, it's, uh, you know, I, we can't control what people's thoughts are around faith or how they find a, you know, a, a power higher than them than themselves but grit is something that everybody everybody can build and uh, there's lots and lots of ways to do it I did it through sports as well so that's the one I know best but um, what you described is really just having that mentality that you know this challenge is not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna take me down you know I'm gonna overcome I'm gonna at least do everything within my power like that, that's, I think that's so huge for people to, to hear and, and see how impactful that is on how you recover. Because I, I don't know how much interaction or how many experiences you, you had with other patients. Um, so I, I'd love to hear that. But in, in my experience, um, the people who had a, a really downtrodden approach or upset or angry, but didn't feel like that grit, like that fight in them, like they did not, they did not respond as well uh, medically. So did, did you have any, anybody that you, you know, became friends with or interacted with as far as patients or other kids or, or anything like that? Yeah, of course. So, um, during you know the whole process of trying to figure out um how to protect my metaport you know i came through a bunch of different you know possible prototypes and whatnot okay. so as i was like going through these prototypes and whatnot like brainstorming you know i was telling my oncology my oncologist this and um one day when i was receiving chemotherapy um he wanted me to talk to a little kid um who's 10 years old, uh, played soccer. Um, I think he had some type of sarcoma. I think it might've been Ewing or something like that. But um, yeah, I went in um, and talked to him and his uh, parents, um, just talked to, talk to him, um, try to lift his spirits, you know, um, be as helpful as possible. Um, and, you know, I talked about how, you know, I'm on the road to trying to return back to my sport. Um, and, this you know, is after, is this after the 10 months of getting blasted, I guess, by the chemo? This, yeah, after that? This is, yeah. This is during like my whole, like once a month type chemotherapy. Um, and so while I was talking to him and his, uh, parents, you know, I, uh, suggested kind of like a martial arts vest, um, to protect extra padding so he could potentially return to soccer. Um, his play, whether it's, you know, practicing, um, with his teammates and whatnot, you know, just getting out there for five to 10 minutes, whether, whatever he could do, um, to protect himself. Um, and that gave him hope because he, 
he told me, he's like, I, I really do appreciate you coming in and talking to me because um, it gives me hope. And that's, that's one thing, you know, that I want to, um, you know, carry on is hope for other individuals. Um, and it's funny too, because, you know, I've started to apply for some scholarships um, relating to beating cancer and surviving cancer. And one of the essay prompts was, um, what does survivorship mean to you? And, you know, long story short, I talked about how the definition definition of survivorship um, kind of expanded and grew over time during my process. And towards the end, I talked about how now my definition of survivorship is getting um, past beating cancer, but not only beating cancer, but helping others in their fight and beating cancer. Um, so I really talked about that um, within my definition of survivorship. Wow. Oh. I'd love that you don't have a you don't have a, a copy saved of that essay do you I bet it'd be pretty cool I actually do you know I, I literally just finished it yesterday so it's all fresh in the brain oh wow <laughs> nice yeah that's ugh, that's incredible so so then you know you were talking with that kid about and and giving him hope right on on returning to his sport right not not just surviving cancer or surviving whatever you have but returning to his sport um so do you think do you think that like that drive to um just get stronger and get better and like that will to even play football again like do you think that played a role in you in in your recovery as well not just the background in sports but then the 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 idea that you can focus on something other than your your treatment and your misery and all that stuff like having something else to focus on what do you do you think that played a role as well yeah so obviously you know i didn't want you know cancer to dictate me and i think it's really important for you know whether whatever hardship you're going through is to find your drive your why and why you keep going and why you keep pushing and football was my why um so it was the whole it was like the entire process of team building of lifting of you know getting yelled at you know yeah it was it was all worth it because you know in times of weakness i always thought of what's what's my why why am i doing this why do i want to keep doing this and you know i wanted to show all my friends and everybody that was there for me like i'm not going to let this dictate me and then i'm going to keep up with everybody and you know um i'm just still i'm still me i'm still me so my diagnosis um, it's still, and I'm still going through my chemotherapy. I'm still me. I'm still that same old Matt Driscoll. So, yeah. Wow. How, how do you feel different now? Um, or do you feel different? You mentioned a stronger faith, right? Close, more closeness to, to your faith. Yeah. So obviously, you know, when you go through a life altering experience, you know, you become more mature, you know, <laughs> um, I've all, you know, I, I was pretty, um, I was in really good shape, uh, before then, um, I was, was, I was very lean and whatnot. Um, so I'm trying to keep up back with that, you know, um, trying to cut down the body fat, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) I'm getting, I'm starting to, I'm getting my strength back for sure. Um, if not, I'm already there, you know, just trying to build upon that. Um, my brother lifting with my brother has been a lot of fun. Um, 
and just like my mindset with everything has completely changed. You know, obviously, I obviously, you know, I was put in a tough position, but you know, it took away a lot of things in my life that I enjoyed a ton. I lost some years within my life of being a high school uh, student, an athlete, but you know, I'm also thankful for why I went through what I did taught me so many different things. My outlook on life is completely different. Um, and you know, I, uh, you know, I love talking about my story and helping others through whatever hardship they go through. Um, and you know, I'm glad I can be that voice. Yeah. Well, I am too, for sure. Um, so so speaking, speaking of, uh, of school, how much school did you actually miss? during this ordeal? Yeah. So I actually missed my entire sophomore year of high school. Um, and you know, I, like I said earlier, you know, I didn't want my diagnosis to dictate anything. I wanted to just continue to be me, be normal. And so, you know, I decided like, Hey, you know, I want to keep, I want to stick with my friends. You know, I still want to be in my graduating class. So, um, that, um, summer of 2017 um when they finished their sophomore year of high school going into junior year that summer um i did online classes um got my credits um so i could stick with my class yeah i was gonna ask if you were doing any you know schooling or whatever during the time of chemo or were you just when you were getting blasted you were just out yeah, I was pretty out. Like I, I tried my best, but it was it was just too much. Um, the, and the school was very accepting. Like my high school that I went to, Walsh Jesuit, they're very accepting. And the, the students, the teachers, everybody was so helpful in my process. You know, I tried my best to like get back, and they were willing to, you know, help me achieve that. Um, whether it was like FaceTiming in on certain classes and whatnot. Um, you know, they, they were very helpful. Um, one of the teachers actually, um, during the summer, uh, came to my house and kind of helped, you know, with some assignments and whatnot and teaching. So, you know, like just going the extra mile, you know, to help me meant the world to me. And that's why, like that, that was another why, like all these people are helping me, like the least I can do is to show them that I'm making the most of this situation. Yeah. That, so that first year that you missed, you know, that is that just that's exhaustion, that's sickness, like not feeling well, like that's that's the type of thing that that kind of kept you away from returning. Right. Exactly. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no it's no joke. Look, look, people, uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you have an option uh, to get cancer or not, um, jump for no, like pick, pick no, if you can avoid it. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking, <laughs> you know, the you goal, of, no. yeah, the goal of the podcast is, is to provide hope to, to people who are, who are faced with stuff. But certainly uh, if, if there was ever a scenario where you had an option to, to face something like this, it's no joke. It's really, you know, it, it and, and uh, you know, your strength is really impressive, Matt, that, uh, that you showed during this whole ordeal. Um, so after the first year, you were able then to go back your junior year to school though, right? 
Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Turned back that jun- that junior year. So what was and, and into football though, right? You went you went right into it that junior year with your you know modified shoulder pad. So I um that junior year, that's like when I just was doing the physical therapy and you know get back into lifting and whatnot, so I could get my strength back to then return to football. Um, you know, I was still a part of the team uh, and whatnot, still on the roster, everything, and you know I helped um, since I couldn't play obviously. Uh, my junior year, I helped, uh, you know, analyze film um, for some of the coaches and whatnot, put the plays in on huddle and whatnot, um, whether, you know, they they helped me a lot. You know, I wanted to return the favor and do as much as I could. Um, and as, since I couldn't play, you know, I wanted to help with um, study film and whatnot, help some of the my teammates out with Friday games, whatever I could do, um, help benefit the team as best as possible. Do you think tapping into that stuff, the more mental side of football, did that make you a better football player, do you think? Yeah, like obviously, yeah, because I had, you know, I studied more film and whatnot, Mm -hmm. um, noticed what tendencies worked for us and what tendencies didn't work for us. Um, And so it made me a smarter football player for that year of what I could, you know, change and help benefit the team as best as possible. To support the Full of Hope podcast, please go to the Support the Podcast page on fullofhopepodcast.com. If you believe in our goal to help people through difficult situations by being able to hear the positive outcomes of those who've been through them themselves, your support will be huge to help us grow. So what was that like walking back into your school your junior year? Did you have feelings about it or like what what was it? Yeah, so... It, I mean, obviously that, that junior, that first day of school, my junior year, you know, obviously a lot of people, you know, coming up to me and whatnot, you know, my hair still, still coming back and whatnot. Um, you know, I was a little sheltered a little at first, you know, but you know, over time I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm still me, you know, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm different. Um, you know, I'm not going to show that I'm still going to be me, you know, um, and just keep pushing, you know? Yeah. Were you, were you immunocompromised kind of throughout this whole yeah. idea? So there was a couple of times where, um, when I received my chemotherapy once a month that I had no immunity at all. And so I had to miss school sometimes. And then like towards my senior year, I didn't want to miss school. So what I did was I wore a mask and I went into, a like, individual room within the high school and just did all my school mm. from there and whatnot. Um, so it, it, I, over time, you know, um, I kind of worked around it. So, yeah. Well, so, so actually, so, so now are, are you, are you considered compromised still? Like, is this, so the whole COVID thing, right? Like we're all kind of on self isolation, I guess, but are, are you, do you have concerns? Is there reason for more concern? Like, what are they telling you about that? Yeah. So since my last chemotherapy treatment was January, the beginning of January, um, since that time, uh, you're immune, you're still immune compromised six months post your last, uh, treatment. And so, yeah, I had my oncologist talk to me last week and say, Hey, you still really need to be careful because, you still are immune compromised. 
And um, he told me that, you know, I got to be on self-isolation until further notice um, because obviously uh, being immune compromised, you're even more susceptible to picking up germs and COVID. So yeah, um, just had to be, I've just had to be more careful. And you're, you're back home right now, right? You're in Ohio, not, not in. Yeah, we got sent home, like we got sent home mid-March. Yeah, mid-March is when we got sent home. So packed up everything, head back to Ohio. We're just doing your hair right now. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Is that, is that yourself or is that your mom? <laughs> yeah, my mom helps me. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm thinking about letting my teenage daughter do something about it. But we'll see how that goes. I mean, you got the hat, right? Like, you yeah. Covered up. I'm just putting the hats on right now. This is 100% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> I'm not going to let my daughter do it. Um, so, so let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the video. So, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You know, I I saw a video that I felt inspired by and just made me want to made me want to, you know, get in touch with you. So, um, so you want to you want to describe what's in? We'll we'll link we'll put a link to the video on on our website as well. But uh, just describe like what you know what, what it captures, what you're going through, if you can remember your, your mindset. Yeah. What day? What day? This is like. Yeah. Four months ago, right? You said the beginning of January. Is that when the video was taken? Correct. So my last chemotherapy was January 2nd. And, you know, coming in um, that day when I woke up, I was like, wow, I can't believe this day is actually here. You know, long journey of three and a half years. Um, And so, you know, going to the hospital and everything, I was pretty anxious. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was anxious. I don't know why I was so anxious and, but, you know, I think it was just because, you know, you're so accustomed to the same thing over and over and changing your lifestyle, not having to do this anymore. Mm. Um, it, it just kind of hit me different. And, you know, I, I asked my nurse, like, do you know why I was, I'm feeling this way? And she was like, it's very, it's completely normal. You know, you're, you're so used to the norm of, you know, getting chemotherapy, coming here, you know, being smart with your decisions and whatnot yeah. affect you. Um, it, it's, it's very normal. And so that kind of made me feel better. And she even noticed that like my blood pressure was through the roof that day. <laughs> really? Yeah. In? Say that again. When you checked in, like when you went to my blood vitals through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And you know, but you know what? So that, that's a really good point, Matt, that, that, you know, you felt something different, right? Just mentally, physically even, but you, you checked in with your nurse to ask, you know, is this normal? Like you weren't trying to necessarily cover anything up, but it's like that open on and honesty, I think is, is really awesome. And it kind of shows a maturity too, that, that you would check in on that. Yeah, of course. You know, if no one's ever going to, you know, not extend your, extend their hand out to help you, you know, and that's like something that was so vital for me um, because my friends would always talk about that day and, you know, they're like, dude, we're coming down to the hospital and we're going to tear everything up. Like we're going to be in that room. Like we're going to be there for your last chemo. And I'm like, 
all right, sweet bet. So um, they were in that room um, when I got my last chemo. And then, you know, um, in the video, you know, they were lined up in the hallway. How Um, long was the chemo? How long's the treatment, the last treatment? Do you remember? uh, The IV is like 10 minutes long, I want to say. So, so when I was done with that, you know, I had all my um, friends, family line up outside and that day it was, it was a lot to, it was a lot to absorb, you know, um, a lot of emotions run through you finally hit the end and say, I did it. Um, and I was very emotional in the video just because you get all the flashbacks of everything, uh, through that three and a half year journey. But, um, to have my friends there, the friends that I grew up with, from five years old to high school football teammates, like they, they meant, they, they mean the world to me and for them to be there and to share that moment with them meant the world. And for anyone that watched the video, whether it was, you know, on social media or they were even there in the hospital, you know, um, I, it gives them hope, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually you're going to, you're going to absorb a lot you're going to absorb a lot of pain, but there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, that's the amazing thing about, you know, the chemotherapy ringing of the bell ceremony is you get to signify that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I I just, you looked so determined, like just determined and just over it. Like you're right. Like that. I'm glad I wasn't that bell. Cause uh, like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> might have been the last they last make that thing that strong. They may have, yeah they may have had to replace that thing because yeah, the goal was to break that <laughs> <laughs> that was just that was amazing so so yeah like when i saw it I, I i just saw drive i saw determination i saw grit i saw you know you just looked in triumph yeah just completely empowered like it was it's really an awesome thing to to watch how how did it become a thing or a big deal like how did i see it like yeah so um i first posted the video on twitter on my twitter um you know i just wanted to share you know with everybody that's been keeping up with me and reaching out to me and supporting me through the time you know, I wanted to give them an update and kind of share this moment with them because, you know, they've been there for me. And so when I shared it, obviously, you know, the whole viral thing happened. Um, ended up getting about 5.5 million views on Twitter. And then, you know, it kind of spread to various social media outlets mm-hmm. and stations. And so started with over time, a basketball um, Instagram feed and media outlet went to barstool then i went to abc then i went to fox and then the whole chain link how what's that like to be like a semi-celebrity is it weird to be honest i don't really think much of it you know as long as i can help others with that whatever hardship they go through that's all that i really care about you know yeah oh that's that's beautiful so what's next matt like did so so you're in complete remission. You're you're staying safe. You're washing the hell out of your hands. Um, and when college life is able to resume back to normal, you're going to head back to to Pittsburgh. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. 
did yep. you did you have any goals or thoughts does your college have a football program like did you have goals to to play football after high school or like what's that what's what's your sports world look like is there a rec thing at your at your uh, college yeah so um I wanted to play like in rec basketball leagues because I, I love basketball and I'm really good at it. Um, but unfortunately, like because of the one of the obstacles that you go through during the whole entire three and a half year process was that I actually because of the steroids, um, I ended up getting avascular necrosis. And what that is, it's when um, the blood supply blood supply gets cut off running through your hip because of all the dead bone tissue. And so I've had my, I've actually had that surgery canceled three times. Now it was supposed to be for my birthday, but I had the flu a couple weeks before and they weren't going to do it. The anesthesiologist wasn't going to do it. And now it got canceled another time. Then it got canceled again, just here on April 10th. Um, there's the whole oh. COVID oh, yeah. surgery thing. So it's, it's, it's affecting your hip. Yeah. I actually have it in both my hips, but the right one's really, really bad. Like I have pain in it every day, but I mean, it's, it's whatever. I'm kind of used to it. I got to tell you, I had high dose prednisone for quite a while and I got avian in both my hips as well. So that's obviously going to affect a lot of, of athleticism. Like it's, it is very, very significantly painful. So I feel for you, man. What, what are they going to, are they going to go in just kind of like try to like soften up the, the bone spurs or what, what do you know what they're going to do in the surgery? So along with the AVN, my femur has completely collapsed. So I'm either, it's going to be once they, they will know what they're going to do once they open me up. Okay. But, uh, it's either going to be the hip replacement that you got, or they have, um, one of the, the surgeon that, um, I'm doing surgery with. He has, uh, he has a technique called, um, hip resurfacing. It's where they mm. put ball in a cup and it acts as your femur. They only remove, they only remove partial, um, part of the femoral head, I believe. Mm. rather than the entire you know the they take everything out with the hip replacement um and as of now you know when he examined x-rays mris and whatnot um he's very confident that he'd be able to do the um hip resurfacing but it's not 100 sure until they open me up of course. right yeah so you'll you'll wake up and find out like what they did right <laughs> you'll be like here's, here's what the solution was yeah. surprise surprise <laughs> Yeah. I will tell you the bonus about having a hip replacement though, is whenever you go anywhere, like that has security, like you'll get some real hands-on experiences with you know, complete strangers. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm having my fingers crossed. It's the hip research <laughs> so I can get back to basketball and whatnot. Right. Of course. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, um, so I know you're only 19, but uh, what are your thoughts about just life moving forward? Do you have, what are your goals? Like, what are you studying in college? What do you want to be? What do you want to do after this? Yeah, so I've always been a numbers guy. I've always loved math growing up. I've always had like really, I don't know, I've just always been naturally good in math. Um, and, you know, percentages, love looking at data tables. So um, right now, um, I'm business undecided. Uh, I plan to get my master's in business administration. Um, but if I had to like choose a major right now, um, I would, it's either supply chain management or finance. I'm just keeping an mm. open mind. 
But um, I did a I did a small like internship or a short internship um, with a company with a guy that does uh, supply chain management my senior year of high school. Oh, nice. Um, I, I, that's how I kind of got introduced in supply chain management. So um, well, I'm just keeping an open mind, seeing what what comes about. So. Yeah, that that internship. I was gonna say, how do you even know about supply chain management? Like in college, that's <laughs> that feels like something. So, but I will tell you, like it's it's a great field to be in, only because, you know, whichever the way way the wind is blowing in terms of American business, understanding and managing that supply chain is always going to be a skill that's needed. And uh, and and you're very, I can tell you're you're a people person, um, and it's a very people oriented job as well so i that feels yeah. like a good path yeah i feel bad for this for supply chain management people right now with all this oh going on. like i can't even imagine what they're going through <laughs> those logistics it's got to be such a challenge right now and and everybody expects everything to continue to perform flawlessly right like i think we're all kind of accepting things will be a little different but uh yeah i think it's seems like a great area for you well, uh, you know, I really encourage you to just continue this type of thing where you have a positive story and attitude and, and the more people that we can share that with, the better. Again, that's, that's my goal is just to get the word out to as many people as humanly possible that there, you know, there is really reason for, for hope and, and um, you completely epitomize that, Matt. Uh, you know, I just want to say... Um, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed with everything that you've done. So um, just to kind of summarize, I, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the, the things that I'm, I'm taking away from this. That he's going to. I'm going to. He I, says I don't, I don't want, want to, want to at first, but he really, really wants to. Can you believe how many times I do things I don't want to do? And it's usually about speaking for others, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like for anybody kind of looking for what's that formula for success, right? Like if I have a really challenging thing. so something to look at that's bigger than yourself, a faith in God for you, a grit that's built from you through sports, right? That is largely where that came from. Um, it sounds like you had a really strong support network and really relied, leaned heavily on them. And, uh, and then the prayer, you know, from them as well. And you got to great care as soon as you could, it seems like, and stuck with that. I mean, my, my, my closing message, you know, I've always lived by this phrase, you know, it's helped me get through my entire three and a half years of, you know, the whole process. And that, that quote that I live by is 10% is what happens to you and 90% is how you react to it. So, you know, you know, everybody in their life is going to hit, you know, the bottom they're going to, we're all going to go through hardships in life, you know, and, you know, 10% is what happens and, you know, everything, a lot of it dictates on how you react to it. So, you know, obviously I could have decided, you know, this is a crappy position I was put in, but, you know, I wanted to react in the way that, you know, I could help others and help myself and, you know, having that positive mentality and trying as best as I could to, you know, stay positive and, you know, have the right attitude is what made all the difference in the world to get through my hardship. Oh, Matt, couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. Well done. Hey, so I think we'll wrap there. And here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to having you on in a couple of years to just have an update, Matt Driscoll update on that. I would love that. Would you love to love 
We'd love to have you back, buddy. Hey, yeah. have a good one. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Get back to school. Go become a supply chain analyst. Make it happen, <laughs> buddy. Well, dude. Right, thank man. you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to and sharing the podcast. To find information about today's episode, how to support the podcast, or find out how you can share your story, go to fullofhopepodcast.com. All of our social media info is there, or you can just look on all platforms for Full of Hope Podcast. In our next episode, we'll talk to an amazing and inspirational man, Keo Capistani, to find out how he approached and survived a high-risk prostate cancer diagnosis. And until next time, this is RJ reminding you that Matt's story is living proof. There is so much reason to be full of hope. <laughs>